Welcome to the C3 Church Watson podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Well, thank you, Pete. Nice to have you uh, with us running our service, hosting our service today. Hi, everyone. Great to see you. We hope you have had a great week. Now, we are doing a little session here answering some questions that you sent to us um, about marriage. And we're the first to say we're not experts. Well, I'm not. Are you an expert? No? Okay. We are not professional counsellors. We've been married for 34 and a half years. And we've seen some things that work and some things that don't work. So these are our opinions. And... Hopefully some of the things we say today are going to be helpful. That's why we're doing this. We want to be helpful. Now, I read a great scripture this morning in my quiet time. It's this. It's from the Passion Version and it's Matthew seven twelve. And uh, I think this is the basis of every good relationship. It says this, In everything you do, be careful to treat others in the same way that you would want them to treat you. And uh, that is very true for all relationships, but especially the marriage relationship. So I'm going to hand over to my lovely husband to answer the first question. Hi, everybody. Great to see you. I think my wife is an expert in relationships. She's still married to her first husband, which I think is, uh, qualifies her quite well. Thank you. Well done, Dar. The first question is, how important is appreciation in a marriage? It is so easy to fall into patterns of just expecting from each other. And I think that's a good comment. It is easy for us as humans to find habits and patterns and so on. We need to uh, look at this scripture here from Colossians 3.15. It says there, Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you are called to live in peace. And here's here's the punch. Always be thankful. Boom. And I think that thankfulness is a key not just to marriage but all of life and not just outside of marriage but inside marriage. We always need to be thankful, thankful. I'm so thankful that I'm married to Melanie. I'm so thankful for who she is. I'm so thankful for how she is and how she behaves and all the things that she does and the skills that she has and the attitudes that she has and encouragement and so on. I'm thankful about that. And if we can get thankful, I think that builds an appreciation of the other person, never to take each other for granted. And I think that part of that, part of being thankful is to demonstrate our thanks by being kind to each other. And I think Melanie might be touching on that a little bit as well, turning towards each other. When Melanie says something, I want to listen and respond to that. It's important for me to do that and it's important for each of us to respond to each other, to show our gratitude and our thankfulness for having that relationship in the first place. I think I might uh, leave it there. Thanks, babe. Very good. Um, Okay, so second question is this. It's a cliché, but... How would you decide if someone is the one? The one. How would you? My first question is, is there only one? Now, I don't believe so. If there was only one person that you were supposed to marry and they married the wrong person, then there's a domino effect and we're all in trouble because we all will end up married to the wrong person. So I don't think there's only one. Except after you're married, there's only one. 
true. Uh, that being said, I believe that there are some things that we should look for to decide if this is the person that we want to spend the rest of our lives with. So here they are. Here are my little thoughts. Uh, the first one is belief in God. That, that the person that you are choosing to uh, commit your life to loves God and has a heart of surrender to him. Because you will have heard me say over the years, if you've been in our church for any length of time, that Paul's been married to a number of different women over the last 34 and a half years, and they've all been me. And that's because if we are following Christ, we are being transformed and we're becoming more like him. And uh, I think that's the number one important thing for us when we're looking for a marriage partner, that they believe and are surrendered to him. I think it, it sets our relationship up for success. Uh, the second thing would be attraction. You need to be attracted to the person. Uh, fairly obvious, but true. The, second, uh, the third thing is that you like each other. Uh, you know, maybe you love them. You've fallen in love with them, but do you like them? Do you actually get on? Do you like being with each other, spending time with each other? Because the, the goal is that you are each other's best friend. So Paul is many things to me. He's my confidant. He's my love. You know, he's, he's many, many different things, but he is my best friend. And um, it's important that you like each other. Uh, the next thing I would say is that you're going in the same direction. Not one of you is called to the mission field in the, you know, in Africa and the other one is a business executive that wants to be, you know, running businesses in high flying. You know, they're, they're, you've got to be going in the same direction, have the same goals, the same dreams. It doesn't mean you have to do everything together, but you're moving in the same direction. And the last thing that when, I, when, when we used to do marriage, um, pre-marriage counselling, I would always say this to the women, the, the women that I counselled. I'd say, if he never changes, is that okay? Because some women, I don't know about men, but I know that some women go into marriage with this idea that, oh yeah, I'll, I'll change him. If he never changes, is he still the one? Because if you can't say it's okay, then maybe he's not the one. And lastly, if you think they're the one, but they don't think they're the one, they're not the one. I've seen too, many, too much heartbreak with people sitting in my office saying, God told me I'm going to marry this person. And if God doesn't tell them, God doesn't make them. So let it go and believe that God has the right person for you. Thanks, babe. That's great, babe. Also, it's the same thing for men, not, not, having, not planning to change the woman. If the woman loves cats before the marriage, she probably will after the marriage. So you better make sure you like cats because they're going to be in the rooms. Okay. That was uh, nothing wow. to do with you. By the way, I'm falling in love with you again, just oh, listening babe. to you answer these questions. She's Thank so beautiful. <laughs> the second question for me, which is the third question overall, is how do you keep marriage an adventure? Marry Paul Marshall. No, you are my adventure. I'm taken. You're taken, but you are an adventure. Thank you, darling. Every person is an adventure because, as Melanie said, uh, God's got to take them somewhere. So uh, that's part of an exciting thing to see someone transformed by the Lord uh, and also by feedback <laughs> as the Lord uses us uh, as spouses. 
Listen to this scripture here. I think it's interesting because I, I think God is into adventure. I think he gets bored with everything just being the same all the time. He wants things to, to change. and It's going to take an eternity to, to find out all about God uh, because he's got so much adventure in him. Listen to Exodus 12 verse 11. This is how you are to eat the Passover. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste, it is the Lord's Passover. What an unusual thing to do, to say. And I think, I take out of that, that God says, uh, listen, you're not going to be a people who are just uh, a boring bunch of people. You're going to have to tuck your cloak into your belt because you're going to be moving quickly and you can't afford to be tripping over your cloak. You're going to have to have sandals on your feet because there's going to be some rough ground that you tread on sometimes. And you're going to have to have a staff in your hand to, to do those mountains up and down. And I think that adventure is built into the life that God wants for his people. So let's make sure we get some variety. Uh, let's have, have some new challenges to face. If you're starting to feel in a relationship like you've been doing the same things as a couple for, for years, then have a, a discussion about maybe introducing some new risks or challenges. We did this crazy thing of... Moving out of a house where we're extremely comfortable, we love that house. In fact, we miss that house. Uh, into a doer upper in Upper Downer, and uh, we just did it. People say, "Why'd you do it?" Well, it's an adventure. We wanted to have an adventure, and sometimes we regret that decision. But we're moving forward. We are. We're not really regretting it. We're With just tears in our eyes. We regret it at times. <laughs> at times. But it is an adventure. It's an adventure. And it's new challenges, new yeah. excitements, new faith goals. Yeah. Thank you, darling. Well done. I totally agree. Okay, this one is a little bit more serious. Um, if your spouse is unfaithful, how can we rebuild? What are some practical ways to rebuild trust? Well, first, uh, firstly... That is a very difficult thing to face and I'm really sorry that you are going through that um, if you are the person that put, put that question in. You know, it presupposes the way that that question is framed that you want the relationship to continue. Um, I mean, the Bible does say that the relationship, it's okay for the relationship to break up if there is infidelity. Um, but if... If you want that relationship to continue, well, I'm going to have to redo this because that sounds all very terrible, okay? How am I going to phrase that? Uh, if you've decided, made a decision, yeah. you're going to stay together. Okay. So I'm going to do from the very beginning of that question. Okay. He's not going to fall? Okay. Okay. Thank you, darling. Um, if this, this is the, the next question, which is a little more serious. If your spouse is unfaithful, how can we rebuild? What are some practical ways to rebuild trust? Wow. What a, a, a tough situation that is, and I'm really sorry that... You're finding yourself in that situation today. Um, but obviously from the way you've, that question has been framed, you've made a decision that you want the relationship to continue. So trust is the rock that all relationships are built on. 
and it's not easy to rebuild trust, but it is possible. In any relationship where trust has been broken, both parties must be willing to work through the brokenness in order to heal the relationship. So you both, you know, have a desire in you for the relationship to keep going. You're not being told that you have to, but you have a desire within you that you want to. Um, It's not a one-sided process. Both sides must be willing to come to the table and to be open and honest and vulnerable. And it, it will actually, it will take a lot from both parties and it will take time to rebuild trust. If you agree to move forward, both of you, after, after the trust has been broken, I've got just a few practical tips that may be helpful. Um, my first one is this, seek professional help. I think you seek professional help separately and together. Separately because there will be things that you will need to work on uh, by yourself. You know, maybe the reasons that you have have been unfaithful, if that's your part of the process of the bargain and, you know, the guilt and the shame that you will be carrying. Or if you were betrayed, then the rejection and etc that you will be carrying in your heart and then you need you'll need to have help together in how to communicate with each other in in what are realistic expectations in how to rebuild and the time that it might take there'll need to be conversation lots of conversation about how it broke and how you're going to go about healing taking responsibility for your part obviously forgiveness Forgiveness given, forgiveness received. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Um, So forgiveness is very important. Expectations of the relationship moving forward. Transparency. Where trust has been broken, transparency needs to rise. So, you know who you've been talking to, emails, texts, having all the questions answered, doing what you say you will do. Trust will be built over time and your relationship can heal and it can be better than it was before uh, the situation. So that's what I'd say, babe. Mm, A few dark tunnels to go down. Yeah, dark Mm. tunnels, tough. A second time? Broken a second time? Betrayed a second time? You're asking me a question? I am. My tone was not clear. What if the person was betrayed a second time? Wow. I don't know. I think that would be that would be way too hard mm. to go back, to keep trusting. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. My third question my third question, yes. What is the relative value of the marriage relationship to other relationships like parenting, caring for elderly parents and sibling relationships? How can the value change over time? Well, that sounds it's a very complicated, convoluted question. Uh, I guess what I would say is that the marriage, if you are married, that is your most important relationship. It's a daylight to the second one, to the next one. Uh, the Bible says in Hebrews 13:4, marriage should be honoured by all. It doesn't say best friendship should be honoured by all. It doesn't say elderly relationship with parent, elderly parents or with siblings should be honoured by all. Marriage to God is very special. It's a totally unique thing. If you're married, everything else comes second right through life. 
Uh, that's part of the issue of dealing with in-laws is making sure that's very clear to everyone that your spouse is more important to you than anyone else. Uh, also, if you're married, um, it is very important to make sure that you add value to your marriage. If it's going to be the closest thing to you, then you need to make sure that it is by investing time into it. And we made sure right from early on that we would have a date night once a week, which means that by the time the kids all started to move out, we still had us. We still had something there. Uh, Some people we've seen have invested all their lives into the kids. About the only thing they've had in common is the kids. The kids move out and then uh, they don't have much of a a relationship. They've invested the kids' value higher than the marriage value. And we would say that is not a good idea. And some guys in particular see other guys as being their closest um, men around them, their closest friends. We would dispute that. We would say that that's not God's plan. It's important to have male voices for men and female voices into women. But uh, the marriage relationship is the number one. And if you invest into your marriage, you'll find that you'll uh, that'll, you'll get something that's a lifelong blessing, a growing treasure, a growing house on a strong foundation that can go through a, a storm and come out very, very strong. Great. Amen. What a great husband. <laughs> okay, my third question is, what are some ways to keep intimacy and romance alive in a marriage when you're both always tired from work, kids and commitments. So this is going to sound really, really basic, but here goes. Priorities. We prioritise what is important to us. And Paul talked about that a little bit. You know, when Paul was running a school and I was running church, we still made time, as Paul already said, to connect once a week. We had date nights when we had no money. We had date nights. We'd put the kids to bed and we had date nights on the couch, you know, just facing each other. Um, make unmovable appointments because you can make unmovable appointments for other people, make it for your relationship. Uh, we, we also tried to catch up at the end of every day. That was, you know, that was not always possible. Some weeks we'd go for days without really seeing each other, but um, <clears throat> we, we were blessed to have great uh, parents on both of our sides in Canberra. And so we had holidays together, weekends away together. Um, You know, if you've got school-age kids, meet at home for lunch occasionally. What does that mean? (laughs) Song of Solomon says this, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. We're talking about... you're making me blush. (laughs) We're talking about intimacy and romance. You've got to make time for it. Keep turning toward each other, which Paul, I just turned toward you then, darling, you weren't looking at me, (laughs) which Paul's spoken about because couples who turn toward each other will have a stronger relationship. So if I am talking to Paul, if he turns toward me, I feel, well done, (laughs) I feel connected, we feel connected to each other and I feel important. I feel like what I say is important to him. It's just part of becoming one flesh. It's not just a physical thing. Yeah. So if we're turning toward each other and giving each other attention, we're setting ourselves up for connection, which is the basis of your relationship. It's the basis of intimacy and romance. 
if you don't know what your spouse likes to do, you know, go out and do stuff together. Find out and plan to do it. We love doing projects together, you know, the adventure of the house. But at the moment we're, we're planning uh, a new kitchen together. And it's fun. And just being together builds affection and things happen after that. Make an effort, I'd say. The most important relationship is worth the effort you'd put into the other things in your life. Um, so that's all I have to say. That's great. Thank you. I totally agree. This question, my last question, is about how do I battle with, uh, how do we as a couple battle with different beliefs and staying together? Uh, I'm kind of wondering whether this question comes from someone who's a, a believer, who's married to a non-believer, I'm not sure, but even if it's not, you know, if, if even when you're married to a strong believer uh, who's heading in the same direction, uh, surprise, surprise, there's going to be times when you disagree. And Melanie's views about movies are totally wrong. But we have to agree to disagree on some issues. And uh, even though we agree on some of those core important issues. Okay, so you don't agree on the core important issue of following Christ. Well, listen to this scripture from 1 Corinthians seven twelve to 13. To the rest, I say this. If any brother has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he's willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. It's always better together and the Christian is not going to leave. You're committed to the relationship unless there's physical abuse and uh, you know, it's an abusive relationship. That's not good. So it may seem like a tiring thing to look into your future at times and think, oh, we're always going to have this issue. Well, this is the challenge that God's given you. And you need to hold on to it with both hands and say, you know what, I'm going to do this for Jesus. I'm going to do this for God. This is my mission field. It's right inside the walls of my own home. And uh, whether you are married to a Christian or not, the, the goals are still the same. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, encourage and respect your husbands. Build each other up in that way. And uh, you can keep praying, Christian, in your closet for your spouse to be saved. But in the meantime, aim to be the best partner in the relationship that you can possibly be. And aim for your relationship to be as good as it possibly can and do your part to make sure you're doing that. For example, make sure your communication is excellent. You're clear, you're honest, you're upfront. You go into those dark tunnels and have those crucial conversations when you need to and you are doing your bit. Uh, Make sure that you're aiming to agree on your financial priorities as much as possible. That'll build a strong relationship. Make sure you agree about how you're going to relate to your in-laws. That'll make a strong relationship. Make sure you agree about how your intimacy is going to work. Your physical intimacy in your relationship, that'll make it strong. Make sure you agree as much as possible about child raising. And there may be times when you need to negotiate. It might not be a complete united front on every issue. You might need to negotiate some issues okay so this Sunday the kids are going to sport all right but next Sunday they every second Sunday they come to church or something like that so you can at least uh, ne- negotiate and have those uh, conversations to make it as good as you possibly can and all along believing that God is showing himself to your spouse through your love through your communication through those things and uh, that God is is going to touch your spouse in a massive way at some point as they feel the love and the kindness all the way through their lives. Beautiful. Thanks, Bode. 
Okay, last question is, uh, what do you do when your spouse won't discuss money and spends too much on their own wants? Wow. Okay, so Paul just mentioned these, but there are five things that are most commonly the stress points in any marriage relationship, and money is one of them. So communication, sex, money, in-laws and raising kids. They're the five main stresses. And it's really important to talk about all of those things before you get married and decide how you're going to handle them. We don't have separate bank accounts. It's not his money and my money. It's our money. And um, I understand that not everyone does this, but money can be a real divider between you if you run things separately. And it can, you know, it's, it's, there's no unity. And if you aren't able to talk about how you will deal with it and come to a unified decision, there will be stress. So it's really important that you do and you can talk about these things. If you watched our service last week, you will have received some really top advice, some very wise counsel uh, about the importance of talking about things even if the other party doesn't want to talk about them even if there may be conflict. Can I say to you, if, the, if, if, this, if your spouse doesn't want to talk about this issue, don't give up. If your spouse isn't willing to talk about it, keep bringing it back to the table because you need to talk about it. Yeah. If it's something is important to me, then it's important to Paul. And if something is important to Paul, then it's important to me. So dealing with money is one of those five big stresses. So don't be a peacekeeper, be a peacemaker. It's so important to talk about the issue. And you, you just may need to get creative in some way in the way that you resolve this, you know. Maybe you have a budget line in your, in, in your budget where you have your own money that you can spend however you want. I don't know. But, can I, so, but the way that you, that you talk about it is important. Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. People who are successful at working through conflict are very gentle when they raise an issue. They take responsibility for their part of the problem and they're kind and calm. They're able to say sorry and they're able to accept the influence of their partner and compromise. So I hope that helps. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au. We hope to see you in church again this weekend.